and welcome to a new episode in the series Ruh where we discuss history of medicine in South Asia. We traversed various epochs and timelines exploring the history of medicine and today we are going to delve deeper into something that lies on the fringe of medical history botany or plants. While herbs and plant derived medicine lies at the center of pharmacy and pharmacology it is generally an area that is less discussed when we discuss history of medicine if you remember we discussed some aspects of inclusion of herbs and plants in traditional medicine in the context of indigenous practices today we are going to take a different approach and look at systematic catalogs and categorization of herbs and plants that gets expressed through both artistic expression and as methodological catalog keeping today we have with us rashmi mala devi who is an artist based in baroda and who practices botanical drawings and illustrations as a part of her artistic endeavor and also continues research on botanical illustrations Hi Rashmi it is lovely to have you here could you tell us a little about your work Hi Durga hi Akash thanks for inviting me see my practice is all based on representation of plants you can say like you know I look into the flora like you no know, very specifically at the moment I'm looking into minor flora like what used to be called earlier as weeds we would not like to use that word anymore even the leading botanists doesn't like to use it anymore and minor plants in the sense like you know all the plants that grows in between and some of them has herbal properties some of them are edible plants i am particularly focusing on the one which is not growing in bigger sizes but it can spread all over basically it is the kind of a documentation process you can say like taking cue from the vast history of botanical illustrations and botanical drawings and the herbals journals that the practice which has been followed visual as well as actual practices like recording plants Thank you so much and that brings me into my next question for which you beautifully laid out the foundation already. So I wanted to know about this multimodal practice of documentation. You mentioned visual culture and journals and other studies that would have been recorded in the past. So how did you venture into let's say a multimodal study of botanical illustrations? Could you tell us a little bit about that? since i have been trained in a art institute i have my masters in painting and all in the beginning phase of your practice you start with those kind of things what is around you when i was doing my studies away from home from the eastern part of the country to the western part so there are a lot of nostalgic kind of thing in the formation of my visual language so you try to kind of get connected by creating some visuals where, which could make you feel connected to your native places so in barodas where i studied is full of champa trees i think i somewhere began there like you know I used to from hostel to university you walk down and like you see the trees I think I began from there somewhere but to this specific journey of my investigation in the area of medical illustration happened much much later in fact earlier practice in fact has you know more references to everyday objects and daily objects but this happened a couple of years back I was traveling in Goa and some of the archaeological sites we visited and there actually we were also part of one of 
of the ASI Archaeological Survey of India project. So there were a lot of people from the archaeology field. They were actually giving us the truth on those sites. And I chanced upon the mentioning by one of this person about that there was a herbal garden existed around the site in around 16th century, but there is no clue about it. Like, you know, and they were trying to kind of retrace it. And all this thing that happened in such a way that later I discovered that actually there is a textual reference to it. There is a book by this Portuguese physician who traveled from Portugal to India and as a physician to the royal family. And he came, he stayed back in India and he wrote a book. And this is a person called Garcia da Horta who did this, you know, Simples and Drugs of Medicine of India. So I was thinking a lot about this herbal garden. And uh, then when I found this author's book, it was a kind of a revelation. Surprisingly, this book, it didn't have any illustrations, only the textual references, but in a lot of a detailed way. It is also believed that book was written in the form of colloquies, the conversations. There are 57 conversations about 57 plants, even about other kind of materials used for making medicines. In a very detailed way, it discussed about the various plants from the continent, then from India, what he was dealing with. And the colloquies, the conversations were happening with an imaginary character who visited from Portuguese, who he named it as Dr. Ruano. And Dr. Ruano is actually many people later when a lot of work has been done on Garcia da Orta So a lot of research has been done and I think a lot of botanists have looked into it because that is one of the earliest botanical evidence. And so what happened is like many people are actually later reading it is as Dr. Rueno is the alter ego of Orta himself, you know. I think he was already around 30 years old. So when he came, he came with a certain Western knowledge and living in India for so long and staying back till he's that he had also acquired this other kind of knowledge. I think that those questions were always there in his mind. And in this book, he tried to probably resolve that. So it's not only about plant that it talks about. That includes also different kinds of fruits, different kinds of vegetables and herbal medicines. My initial work around Orthas was more driven to this whole fact about reimagining the lost garden. Other interesting part of the text is the text what I was referring to was from internet and internet archive now provides a lot of information. What happens like the book was done in 1563 in Portuguese. It was printed from Goa, one of the earliest printed book in India. But the person I was referring to was in English and already there were several translations were done. And in one of them by a person called Acosta, so what he did is he actually included some amount of illustrations in the later phase. So there were line drawings added to it. Between 18th and 19th century, he added those things in the beginning i actually developed one series of work where i was trying to build up my own herbarium I learned from the botany department, I learned how to make herbariums and they followed the systematic way of how to name it and how to collect the local name, scientific name and how to preserve the plant, you know, all those things. And it's a long process, which I still continue at times. And I started with that. So it was the first show around Otter's work I had in Goa. So there I had this set of works where I recreated a map mentioned in the book. These all were actually towards the whole idea of the garden, which I got into. So I was trying to look the garden. Later, once I got more accustomed to the book, it actually opened up things into more closely to look at. 
I did two, three works in different phases from some of the elements taken from there, you know, like fruit or vegetables. Sometimes I painted them how in the botanical illustration one would record. And I also recreated a recipe he mentioned about the carambula fruit. And I found it as a lot of revelations were happening, like because carambula was something which maybe in my native I find that very often it's always consider them as a local fruit. So finding carambula in that book was a kind of, oh my God, it's been there. I made some drawings of carambula flowers or fruit, did the recipe. I also did a series of work on the mangoes, which is in the 34th colloquium of author's book. As I said, like how that one particular textual reference could lead you to where actually in the later phases, you can connect it with various other things. What happened in the mango series, I was looking at this particular text and it mentions that Ortha actually, he was the first person to get the Bombay Island on lease uh, before it has gone to the Britishers. So Ortha was the first occupant of Bombay Island and the mangoes grew in his Bombay Island and his villa in Bombay small amount of remains can be found inside the navy area yeah, in the Kolava region near that lion's gate within that navy area more towards the seaside and just out of curiosity during Orta's time was the Kolaba part of island used for mango cultivation not specifically just that Kolaba region because later if you look at Alfangio Mango's history that's all over Bombay but his book specifically refers to and many people later also kind of found out that Kolaba region actually had some of the very interesting mango trees which like you know gave fruits twice a year in the 34th colloquy they discuss about mangoes and a cart full of mango is actually entering his villa and they were sitting on the veranda and this one attendant comes and he says like you know the mangoes have arrived from Bombay and then they get into the conversation of how to cut mangoes how to eat mangoes and they start eating mangoes by sitting on the porticos it is not just a kind of a text on botany which just kind of gives informations about the plant it's not like that the book it's quite dramatical yeah it actually sounds like a slice of life kind of a portrayal yeah so like in mango he talks about how to cut mangoes in carambula it talks about a recipe like how to make a carambula pie which i tried making you know and of course alongside i have to mention we have informations and resources and references all we have in abundance so Orta's book itself has opened various other kind of references to me yes and during this course of conversation, you hit two very different and overlooked points. One is that of emotional history of botany in terms of human and tree connection, which we sometimes overlook, where you started off with the idea that it was nostalgia when you started looking at trees around you. It strikes to me as a very emotional history or theory of affect, but I wonder if we can approach some of the documentation by colonial researchers, maybe Dutch colonial researchers or botanists or British botanists, as emotional histories for these plants. So on one hand, they were probably documenting the flora of the region that they traveled to. And at the same time, they were probably reminiscing the things that they saw in their homeland and maybe carrying that with them. So I just wanted to try and see what are your thoughts around this kind of approach. 
I don't know whether we can directly say it is emotional bond or not, but there are other references almost exactly 100 years after Orta has done his conquest. Henrik van Reed has done the huge work on the Malabar recent plant documentation called Hortas Malabarica. In the more recent years, K.S. Manilal from Calicut University has devoted around 35 years of his life to translate this into both Malayalam and English, and they have come up with 12 volumes of it. And this is the second time after Orta, which influenced me. Hortus Malabaricas has actually illustrations towards everything it discussed. It took several years. It involved hundreds of people like Iti Achutan, who provided the information about the plant. And he provided the specimens. So it was almost like a collegial relationship where one person was supplementing the local information of flora and somebody was recording and illustrating it. Yes, and very interestingly, because ETA Shutan came with the information and it was also kind of supervised by three Konkan Brahmin professors, no experts from the Ayurveda. And at the same time, they had people like to make the illustrations. They were botanists coming from Europe and they were printmakers, like they were technicians, illustrators, engravers, all of them actually work together on that to make it possible. That's how it took many years to complete. And each illustration, sometimes it also carried the people around. Sometimes it also showed how Tori has been peppered and a lot of tropical fruits and plants. And is the focus mainly on plants that were used for medicinal purposes and edible plants? Or are there weeds as well? Yeah, unlike Orthas, Ortha had actually included medicinal plants because he was also believed to be very much into the production of medicines around that time because there are some people actually kind of worked on that. Like they have come to a conclusion that he has actually had a huge contribution in the medicine production of that time. But he also discussed, for instance, jujube. He doesn't have any medicinal just kind of included just as a kind of specimen. But by the time it comes to hottest malabaricas, I think there were some because it had gone through this whole process of documentation like even with the visuals you could see it by more following as a kind of keeping document so probably most of these things in the hottest malabaricas that was been discussed either it had medicinal values or it had edible values to basically to record and document it you know which we could see later in a more scientific methodological way was done by the british colony right by the time at around both 18th century and 19th century, under British colony, it was done in a more systematic way within the disciplinary practice. The company school painters were also dealing with the kind of stylistic things. They were trained in a particular, you know, in more of a Mughal or Indian way of depicting things. It was representational, but not in a scientific kind of mode of representation, you know. There were more of the visual practice, what they had earlier seen. But what the British colony provided this group of Indian artists. That is how you could stylistically see the transition. That phase of botanical illustration, if you look at the British colonial phase, you will definitely see the influences of what was happening in the West. They actually were provided models of plants. Something around like 14,000 sheets of paper were provided by Lady MP. Her collection is a very well-known collection in the botanical illustration scenario. Everybody knows her collection and recently William Darimple has curated that show, The Forgotten Masters of India. On her record, it says like some 14,000 papers were provided to the artist to use their pigments. 
there is a whole series of flora documentation of the Himalayan foothills. There are flora documentations from Nepal. And then there are different collections, like there is a collection called the Pori collection, which is from the Pori garden plants. Mm-hmm. Right. Hyder Nightly Cortes Malabaricus followed a very systematic method of documentation. As an extension to this, later in the British colonial interventions, always they kind of provided the local artists almost everything, you know, like sometimes almost dictating how to look at the plant. And with the kind of the artistic skills they had traditionally, made it, I think, a kind of a individual signaturistic kind of things. Earlier, it was always a kind of an anonymous group of things, you know, still a lot of them, we don't know who did it. But now still we are getting to know about people. Like, for instance, there's this person called Sheikh Jainuddin, who worked for the lady in pay collection, what I just mentioned earlier. The first phase of it also, you can say there were these Patna columns, the people who worked in the Patna court background. They were the first probably to get into this. So now we have specific artists and their different styles. That is very fascinating and that brings to mind another question. So with Sheikh Jainuddin's art or Patna columns, was the agenda to represent specific plants such as for medicinal use or for sort of food stuff or was it just a representation of local flora irrespective of their uses? It is of both intention of documenting the flora and also that is from a native eye. So it had both. It had medicinal plants. It in fact also had fauna by various other artists. Even Jake Janudin has done one painting on a fish, which is called mango fish. Also, there were smaller plants, trees, fruit plants. Basically, it was scattered into everything together as documenting it like the flora in general, not just the medicinal plants. Right. But was there a move towards preserving seedlings or creating herboriums so as to preserve some of the plants that they were seeing in one part of India? For example, if a Dutch surveyor surveys a plant and makes an illustration, was there a move towards preserving that plant or transplanting that in other area and maybe developing a native species of that plant? They were, I think, they were. The first part of the answer would be like when one moves from one continent to the other continent or one land to other land. So when the migration happens, we have Alexander coming in and we have Egyptian records of interactions with India. Of course, when this happened, there were definitely, you know, different kinds of migration of plants were happening in terms of seeds. That is one part of the answer. I think traders also, traveling of things. I think all over the world it happened. Third part of it coming to specific to the British colony and process of documentation, like you know, more in terms of a disciplinary practice or a kind of science. That time also it happened because a lot of explorers that came through the sea route, they tried to collect not only the illustrations of it, drawing of it, and alongside you also tried to keep the specimen. But it was not always possible because three months of traveling through the sea, the atmospheric differences and all, it's not possible all the time. All specimens will remain the same. Those who could sustain, they went even in the British Museum, they have quite a lot of Havarian collections taken from India. It was happening all the time, I believe. One interesting story this reminds me of when you're talking about plants being intentionally moved is how tea comes into Assam with how Robert Fortune, who was this English merchant who pretended to be a priest, smuggled it from China, brings it to Assam, and then we know how massive an influence that has become. 
in fact like you know amitabh bose's trilogy you know one character is actually always hunting for that flower of the and she like you know desperately they try to find and asking everyone showing this one single illustration of it so that reference i think he has got it from there only yeah. oh sea of poppies actually when you were narrating this episode i exactly thought of that reference that there is this one solitary illustration and then they were trying to match the plant and then try and boil it but no it did not taste quite right and all of those adventures with that i love how amitabh ghosh uses plants as a character in his books this is one and then i see also in the glass palace how he uses teak and rubber mm-hmm. because the plantations how they become their own character and how without that you wouldn't have the entire book or the new book the curse of nutmeg where nutmeg is the main guy but speaking of medium of representing the plants could you tell us a little more about that in terms of line drawing or cyanotype and other techniques of illustrating botanical specimens probably i'll just give you you know rough sketch of different kind of mediums we have egyptians typically the papyrus reeds they painted on the murals then you see the greek references like materia medica which started in the 4th century ad which in the beginning did not have any kind of illustrations or visual reference to it but in the later phases of materia medica which kind of rewritten all the time all over the world how we travel persia or middle east to even in fact countries like japan and china and everyone kind of started depicting it the visual presentation had the regional influence to it and mostly like you not know, the journals and all these botanical compendia they were manuscripts but occasionally you also had the wall murals and specific to india you have like throughout from like mughal to rajasthan to kind of a late mughal we always had mural technique alongside the manuscript painting vellum was used it's basically the animal skin like goat sheep or something like that you treat it and you make it almost like a paper which was extensively used in different kinds of you know, book or journals especially like printed books they always had while binding to give a more body to the paper they would have it as a front page like you know, between the cover page and the first page which joins the papers together that was both for writing as well as a lot of botanical harvests specifically used them for painting also artist also mentioned about the fluidity of it the way it could hold the details then there are also clothes there are paper there are rice paper plant based paper like japan and korea china always use fine handmade papers and there is also silk because in indian practice you know we used either the cloth silk or we used a very fine kind of malmal cloth in the mughal period more of a local mediums the british colony introduced almost ready papers like they bought the papers and they provided the native artists to paint on it directly Amongst all the illustrations and plants that you've looked at, what has been the most interesting or unique, out-of-place plant illustration that you've come across? There are many. <laughs> Maybe one or two I can just quickly mention. One is this Mary Delaney's work. It is around 18th century. Till she was 70 years old, she actually didn't do much. When she became 70 years old, this lady she started working on this particular series of tissue papers. It's a kind of a collage, and all of them are done in like black background with this meticulously pasted smaller pieces of tissue paper. And she did all possible garden plants around. 
hundreds of them. That is one thing. And of course, Sheikh Jainuddin, I said, how beautifully he blended that flora and fauna on surface, including the smaller insects. There were butterflies and insects and like, you know, little creatures. These are like few, but as I said, it is an abundance and the visual reference itself is like really, really abandoned, which we are just getting to see. And like you rightly said, it's such a vast field. And thank you so much for giving us a slice of that. Akash, do you have any final thoughts? I would like to again thank you for this wonderful uh, discussion. We will definitely love to have you on to talk about and explore many of these rabbit holes that you've brought up and only teased us with. <laughs> so <laughs> hope to have you back soon. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. Yeah, thank you, Durga, and thank you, Akash. Thank you for having me. Thank you. This podcast series is the result of a foundation project implemented by the India Foundation for the Arts under its Archives and Museums program in collaboration with the SL Bhatia History of Medicine Museum, Library, and Archives with part support from the Parijat Foundation.